0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake podcast. I'm Jared J. Sexton. I'm here with my near dear friend, Nick Hausman. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jared?
0: I'm doing. <laughs> That's the answer. I'm doing.
1: Yeah. As long as it's an active verb, I think we're doing. We're we're okay.
0: I I As long as you're moving forward. Those not busy being born or busy dying as our good friend Robert Zimmerman once told us. Uh, everybody, we are here. Uh, listen, we got everything on this episode. We have... um country music hits that talk about vigilante justice we have israel just falling into the illiberal abyss we've got samuel alito saying things um i really can't believe he's saying out loud but there's also that and of course the donald trump campaign rolls on we gotta talk about all that but before nick we have an exciting new feature for our weekender episodes that's right for our patreon (laughs) exclusives and a, and a reminder go over to patreon.com slash podcast in order to get access to the weekender episode on fridays it'll make your fridays better i'll make your weekends better it will make your life better uh we are going to roll out new features in which on these weekender episodes if you have questions we're going to answer them nick i i and i don't know about you i have always enjoyed answering questions on our live shows when we do the weekender tapings um i know that's like one of your favorite things we do too
1: Absolutely. I mean, I would I would hope that more people want to get involved and be part of the show. That's really exciting to hear their voices and actually let them ask the questions directly.
0: Well, we always have these things where people are reaching out, they're sending emails, they're commenting on the episodes, all of that stuff. This is going to streamline the process. Here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be twofold. One, over at patreon.com slash podcast, we are going to post a link which is going to allow you to record a voicemail. These things are going to be short. I think we're talking less than a minute, give or take, where you are going to ask your questions. Of course, you can make some comments. That's patreon.com slash muckrakepodcast, which means that your voice, your questions will be on the show. Also, you can email us at muckrakepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't want to put your voice on the show, totally fine. You can email us there and we'll start answering these questions on future Weekender episodes.
1: Right. We might even throw one, you know, on a Tuesday pod just so people can hear what they're missing.
0: I I, listen. I got to tell you, one of the fun things about taking questions is people sometimes ask about stuff that I've been interested in or I have an opinion on. Some things that I haven't even thought about that I then have to react to. That's awesome. Because it, it, it makes us get into a bunch of different things. I, I'm personally excited about this feature. Again, if you uh, you want to do this, go over to patreon.com slash muckrakepodcast. That's where we're going to have the, the voicemail link and also muckrakepodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, Nick... Um, I got to tell you, a lot is happening with the Donald Trump 2024 campaign, uh, as all of the polls are coming out that make it look like he is the uh, the nominee in waiting, which is something that you and I have sort of had to wrap our heads around over the past few months, months and I want to talk about more. Um, we're also hearing, one, that The charges with election tampering, racketeering, uh, all kinds of fun things out of the state of Georgia, my former home, uh, it sounds like these are imminent. Uh, I got to tell you, Nick, I think these are some of the most serious charges that Donald Trump actually faces for a variety of reasons. But also it has come out, uh, Washington Post has uh, published an investigation that Save America, the Trump uh, Political Action Committee, has spent in the last quarter 40 million Dollars. That's right, four zero million dollars on Trump's legal fees, which brings, by the way, the total up to fifty six million dollars towards Trump legal fees. Um, I, I I gotta tell you, both of these things make my mind real. What What are your initial reactions, Nick?
1: Well, should we celebrate that he's paying his lawyers now? Because- <laughs> well,
0: not just paying his lawyers, but offer not offering to pay them with horses. And like a uh, uh, boxing memorabilia, which it's a step up, you know? Yeah. So that's
1: part of it. But um, I-, I was kind of yelling and screaming, reading the articles this weekend about it because it doesn't seem legal. You shouldn't oh. be able to raise campaign funds and then simply transfer them directly to legal bills that are unrelated to the campaign um, I, I suppose I should dig a little bit deeper into the FEC and figure out why those rules don't apply here or, or no, no one uh, has any teeth to, to uh, prosecute this. But um, this is the epitome of what uh, campaign finance reform is supposed to have take care of.
0: Well, it's, it's also incredible because, you know, I, I can't tell you how many and Nick, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, even to ballpark it. How many stories have we covered with Donald Trump in the past few years in which legal experts and political experts are asked for their opinion on something that he is doing and the legality of it? And everyone just says, I don't know, because no one's ever thought to even consider that somebody would do something like that. Doesn't that seem like a reoccurring theme at this point? Uh, absolutely, and it kind of just
1: shows you how leaky uh, the Constitution is and our laws are. There's too many little holes in there. That listen, sometimes uh, businessmen are um, lauded for finding nice. out the little, you know, areas and the cracks so they can get away with stuff. And this is sort of where we are here, but it's with procedural stuff. It's with um, you know very serious governmental uh, actions that you know require uh, a transparency and a lack of corruption that he has exploited. It really is frustrating. Um, And I I think the biggest problem is, is that people who don't have money to give, give him this money, give him money that they don't probably have, they can afford, uh, probably thinking that it's going towards getting him reelected. And in some weird, twisted way, he's been able to combine like, well, I need that money to protect me in the courts, and that will then allow me to win, you know, sort of in a direct line. And that's just... You know, there's no way to ask people who are giving their hard-earned money to him that they would approve, I don't think, of all the money that's going to lawyers.
0: I mean, it depends on who you ask. I mean, some of these people – I I I think it would be incredible actually at this point to find out how many people, if they found out that their money was going towards this, would then give more money in order to help him out legally. And, and you know, it's it's incredible – Because you're right, Donald Trump as a, and I'm putting heavy quotes around this, businessman, right? Because don't forget that this guy, for a period of time, lost more money than anybody else in the United States of America. Like a a really kind of an impressive achievement, honestly, his failures. This is a guy who has built his entire career, whether it was in, again, heavy quotes, real estate, or his name and likeness bullshit, or his political campaigns. All of it, he has found a way in order to skirt and flirt around every law that he possibly can. He has been able to, basically because he's shameless. He has been, he has been able to figure out how to find every angle that he possibly could, every hook, every crook. And when it comes to this stuff, I mean, I, I, you know, it really is hard to keep track, Nick. I mean, don't forget that this is a person who used his inauguration more or less as a money laundering scheme. You know, and now we're sitting here looking at a bunch of people who are giving more or less their entire savings to this stuff. It reminds me again of when I was a kid and like my my grandparents and my relatives were sending, you know, uh, envelopes full of cash to televangelists who were like living on top of the world and having these extravagant lifestyles. At this point, we're literally looking at a supposed billionaire. A very successful billionaire who is probably not going to have to end up paying much of anything on his legal bills because he has figured out how to use American politics and the political action committee uh, scam in order to funnel all of this money for his own purposes. Uh, If it wasn't so wicked and cruel, um, you would almost have to be impressed by it, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I called this years ago knowing that that was, that was what he was going to do. So I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised at all, but um, it, it it is frustrating. Now, that said, it could ultimately hurt his campaign because it's money that he's not spending on the campaign for all sorts of things like advertising. But that said, he didn't even do it that well the first time uh, that he ran and, and won. Uh, they, it was completely uh, disorganized. He probably feels like they don't need any of that money because he gets free publicity on the news every night by just saying the biggest
0: bullshit he could think of. Can I say something on that real fast? Um, Just a reminder, Donald Trump was gifted over $6 billion worth of free advertising by American media. And as we've talked about here and there, and I just want to put it on the record because I I want to make sure that everybody understands this. Almost all media buys at this point that come from political uh, campaigns are about either one, raising the profile of a candidate, in which case your candidate doesn't have much in the way of a possibility of winning, but also two, it's just continuing to feed a larger consultant class. You know what I mean? It's it's basically this go-around that has been going on for years at this point. You can put it out on social media and you know advertise it there or do whatever. Like a lot of these buys are pretty useless. This, this right here. Um, I, I, and I got to tell you, at some point or another, it's, it's due for like a dam to break and find out how much of this money has been embezzled and also laundered around. Like who even knows what's happening behind the scenes of, of Trump campaign and, and PACs and all of that stuff. Basically, you know, th- it's like the dark web. You don't want to look. You don't want to know what's actually happening.
1: Well, there's another reason why you don't want to know. And it kind of relates to probably Fannie Willis in Georgia is that there's a re- very real fear of bringing these cases against him that you have a kind of yep. backlash that could be in danger of your life. So I don't blame uh, people for, for maybe maybe not even wanting to get into it uh, to, to prosecute these things because it is a real c- consideration here. Um, and that is, the, the unfortunately, the kind of cult he's developed is that you can have crazies that will follow through on these threats. It wouldn't just be, oh, they're just calling in, but whatever. These are things that they have to take very seriously. I would imagine Fannie Willis will have incredible security around her going forward if and when they announce what's gonna, uh, an indictment there.
0: I, and, and by the way, it better be good to security because I can tell you that the state of Georgia, like not a lot in the way of like taking this stuff seriously and actually like keeping people at bay who want to do other people damage. Uh, just speaking from personal experience. I'll also go ahead and say when it comes to Georgia, um, dead to rights he's been caught absolutely dead to rights, trying to shake down public figures, trying to get an election overturned, you know, basically uh, stolen. Um, it, it's kind of incredible now, Nick, not just to look at like the, the indictments that are piling up for Donald Trump, but to actually notice that all of them are clear cut and all of them have evidence that like gets him dead to rights. Like He's going to go from one day like, going in and having, like, evidence that's obvious that he stole state secrets, the next day he's going to be in, like, a, a Fulton County uh, courthouse, and there's going they're going to play a call that has him dead to rights trying to shake down public officials. Yeah, and most of the
1: time, he doesn't deny what the yeah. uh, accusations are. He tries to sort of make them seem like they were a perfect call and there wasn't anything wrong, but they don't deny what the underlying crime is. The, the, interestingly enough, the new thing where they unsealed this new indictment where Carlos de Oliveira is now implicated in um, trying to delete the, uh, the footage, uh, the video footage at Mar-a-Lago, which constitutes obstruction of justice, he actually is saying that he never did that. And that struck me, actually, interestingly enough, that he decided he wanted to go public and say, I never told anybody to delete anything uh, in the video wise. And meanwhile, they have the video. It sounds like they might have gone to the original servers uh, that the company that does the security had that uh, unerased. Uh, but I, I suspect this this might even be karma for um, what, what was Nixon's um, uh, secretary's name? What was her name? Mary. Rosemary, yeah, Rosemary, uh, yeah. Who was supposedly, you know, stretching across two different parts of her office to somehow accidentally delete 18 minutes of uh, the Nixon tapes. So either way, uh, they have it. That's the most important thing. But um, it sounds like these people are now are, are going to turn on him enough to give him information that they continually will be able to hammer this evidence uh, unassailably in a
0: court of law. I, I, I got to tell you also to go ahead and and, and pick at this thing because it is concerning. Nick, the numbers are are real bad over in the GOP primary. Like, listen, I'm not going to tell you that that any of of these clowns, could possibly win this thing. And it would be great. Like Tim Scott would give the nomination and, and, you know, it doesn't make the GOP any better. And it doesn't mean that they're going to do anything less dangerous, but Donald Trump walking away with this nomination and not just by the way, walking away from the nomination, but making the 2024 primary all about the weaponization of the government and what needs to be done in furthering the MAGA conspiracy theories that with also the fact that I, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, but uh, Trump told anybody who would listen this weekend that Mitch McConnell has to go. And we talked about this, like that, that this is like a changing of the guard situation. We also are looking at the possibility of like the the MAGA group and the far right, the new right starting to take over the apparatus of government. Um, this thing is starting to pick up speed in a way. And, and listen, I know this isn't going to shock people in a way that worries even me. Like, I, I, I follow this stuff. I, I sit there and analyze it. I look at how all this stuff is taking place. 2024 is shaping up to just be really, really a brutal presidential election. And the mood of this country, I got to tell you, with all of these indictments and Donald Trump's political, legal, and 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 life in general just on the line, um, I I do not feel great about it. I'll just say that.
1: Well, I got a question for you, and, and this—I I realize what you're trying to say here. As far as Mitch McConnell is, you know, one of those guys who's sort of a guardrail against Trump to some degree, and maybe—and if he goes away, love
0: to use him. And more than happy to use him to go ahead and we're going to talk about the judiciary in a second and how it's been completely bastardized. But yes, no, Mitch McConnell and and the neoliberal establishment front of the Republican Party has pushed back against Trump and the new right. And they are effectively trying to take control of the right. party.
1: And, and, and by the way, Trump's uh, idea that Mitch McConnell has to go. I'm not arguing with that. Like the, the worst person in the world made a good point, And we need that meme uh, to show that that That's right. is because uh, he, he is right. And probably more so. You know, not that I would ever want McConnell to, to, uh, well, he, I would like him to leave for a lot of reasons, but I don't think he's well. And I think that that's the problem here is people are sacrificing their own health for this stuff. And that doesn't seem to be, uh, the appropriate, uh, focus. Uh, but I do want to ask you this. Uh, he gets, let's just pretend of all these indictments, he gets found guilty in all of them. How many people are really going, how many votes is he really going to lose?
0: I, not that many. Right. really, Not that many. And a matter of fact, I think there will be some people who would even double, triple down on this thing. I, I, I think that this is the bad part of this. And I saw an actual friend of the show, Greg Sargent, uh, wrote an article about this saying, you know, not only do they still support Trump, but they truly believe that he hasn't done anything wrong. I I think that the worldview of Trump being persecuted and the government being weaponized and the deep state, not just coming from him, but for everybody else, that is not only like a, a narrative that holds sway with these people. It has become their functional worldview. It has become how they view the world, how they go about the world, how they how they view everything. And as a result, I, I don't think he's going to lose hardly any votes if he is uh, uh, successfully prosecuted in any of this.
1: So I, I think our fears are were, were misplaced uh, a, a year or two ago when we were worried that someone else would come along with the same platform and just a cleaner, you know, Palette uh, and and sweep right into that that slot, thinking, oh, th- it was never about Trump. It was about a guy that they would simply do all of our conservative stuff. And okay, so he's he's a you know his personality is a problem. We don't care as long as we get the, the judges and all that stuff in there. I, that's not true anymore, right? This has now become a thing where it is about Trump. Uh, right. Otherwise, someone like DeSantis would have swept in there and been a neck and neck or, or been leading by now.
0: Well, I want to say a couple things. One, if DeSantis had you know, a personality that was any better than a, you know, a crypt keeper, like it, it, there would be the beginnings of something. But also, as we've documented, the strategy has been so bad. Like DeSantis need, has needed to make the argument, listen, they are politically persecuting this guy. You need somebody in there to figure this thing out. And by the way, doing the like weird, like huddling up to Trump while going ahead and doing this. But also you would need Donald Trump to bow out a little bit. And he can't. He can't do it. You know, um, everybody knows I'm a fan of the show Succession, and one of the reasons is because it shows something real, which is people like Trump can't step away. They can't. They're going to die doing what they're doing. And those sort of forces came together. And at this point, no, it, it's a fate complete. There's really not much in the way of anything anybody can do, save for if something completely unprecedented and unexpected happens. This thing seems uh, it, it seems cooked at this point.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. It, unless some states are going to be able to, to garner up enough support to say that uh, a guy who's a convicted, multiple convicted felon can't appear in a ballot um but i don't see that happening necessarily either but that would be the only fail safe here because again he otherwise he'd be a write-in candidate anyway it's it truly is uh remarkable what he's been able to do and how he's 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 stuck his finger in the socket that i don't think we realized uh was was electrified
0: i wish he'd stick his finger in the socket all right speaking of just remarkable nick um i i gotta tell you again i say this often uh, sometimes an article will get published, and I will read it, and I, I I just become so overwhelmed. I feel very emotional about these things. And Nick, I I, I want to read a little bit from a, a truly, truly remarkable article that appeal uh, appeared in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this was a, a an a, as a result of a four hour interview that the wall street journal did with uh supreme court justice samuel alito and by the way nick how would you like spend four hours with samuel alito
1: oh i mean it, 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 as much as i'd like to be like uh, stuck on an elevator playing music the whole time
0: oh that would i would take it 10 times out of 10 um this is uh the beginning of this article before we get to some really truly incredible stuff quote The Supreme Court usually makes news by making decisions, and it's done plenty of that lately. In its first two terms with a 6-3 conservative majority, the justices have revisited old precedents and established new ones on abortion, gun rights, racial discrimination, freedom of speech and religion, the power of unelected federal regulators and more. By the way, that's a really, really uh, kind way of putting what the Supreme Court has done, but I move forward. By comparison with the previous eight decades or so, the court has frequently declined to defer to elite political opinion and as a result, it has made news in other ways. That's wonderful to go ahead and put this out there. They talk about Samuel Alito, and they say that he has come out to, quote, defend himself with a candor that is refreshing and can be startling. They talk about ProPublica, and Nick, you might remember that ProPublica was the outlet that found that Supreme Court justices on the right were basically uh, riding ponies on a carousel that a billionaire just kept pumping change into while they were buying up their family's houses. Uh, They call them a, quote, self-styled independent nonprofit newsroom. So how do you feel about the bias in this article so far? This is great. Uh,
1: As expected. I mean, we're not we're not surprised, uh, but it's it's thick.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. Well, let's jump forward to the to the the real, real meat of this article. Quote, Justice Alito says he voluntarily follows disclosure statutes that apply to lower court judges and executive branch officials. So do the other judges. Just want to go ahead and put an asterisk on there and say, remember when he said that he was taking this uh, trip with a billionaire because the seat would have been empty otherwise. But he notes that, quote, Congress did not create the Supreme Court. The Constitution did, quote, I know this is a controversial view, but I'm willing to say it, he says. No provision in the Constitution gives them the authority to regulate the Supreme Court, period. This, by the way, is Samuel Alito getting out in public and just getting wild with it. He's (laughs) literally saying Congress can't do anything about us. They should go ahead and stop dreaming that they possibly can. This is some beating on the chest. Is it not? Oh,
1: I know, but it's also wrong.
0: So, it's also wrong.
1: Yes, because there is a provision in the Constitution that that maybe provides Congress some, with some latitude. Um, and the, the, the quote would be uh, one portion of the Constitution says, quote, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact, with such exceptions and under such regulations as the Congress shall make. Hmm. So they gave them a little bit of an uh, opportunity to create some oversight there. And let me ask you this, Jared, why would anybody associated with such a highbrow, you know, thing like the Supreme court, why would anybody like that be so concerned about having regulations about ethics? Why would that ever be a thing that they would want to push back against? Does that have any, does that make you think about anything?
0: It's, it's really interesting. It's basically this thing where they're just like, you know, even if there was some unethical behavior, And there's not. You couldn't do anything about it. Like It's it's some incredible mind games being played.
1: And if I were ethical and I really took my job seriously, I would welcome. I'd say, please, I I follow these things anyway. I would like more stringent uh, guidelines because it's a little bit uh, fuzzy right now. So I didn't report the, the plane ride I took because there was an extra seat because I didn't think I needed to um those things definitely should have uh, some more oversight and and you should welcome that i mean that's the whole thing about this is is uh, is we need to have faith in the uh, in the in the institution
0: alito can't do that because he is and this is a a, a very specific term I, I i don't mean to put you know uh, some jargon out there specialized knowledge because he's a pompous asshole and he always has been. It would be one thing. And John Roberts does this, the, the, the quote unquote right way, right? Like he engages in all this stuff. He goes ahead, he pushes his agenda, which was the reason why the Supreme court was stolen in the first place. And he, and he, he's gasping, Nick, he's looking for the the closest fainting couch, right? He's like, how, how could you possibly start to question who we are? Where the Supreme court look at our robes. Have you seen our robes lately? Like, (laughs) We, we're, we're a priest class. You can't possibly question who we are. Samuel Alito has spent every moment of his waking life since the Supreme Court was stolen getting in people's faces, like angrily saying, you can't say that about us. And on top of that, you can't do anything about it. He is, he is a massive poking finger in the chest. He cannot stop himself.
1: And then he wonders why people are questioning the integrity of the court. But that's that's the biggest like self-own of all time, because he doesn't seem to have any uh, notion of a, or self-reflection to understand why this stance and, and his asshole uh is causing so many people to think that this is a compromise court.
0: I want to point something out, too, by the way, because you 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 went ahead as you are want to do. You went ahead and went to the actual Constitution like that's one of the reasons why we do this show Um You know, as Alito says that the the Constitution doesn't give Congress control over the Supreme Court, I want to say a couple of things, and then I want to get to the last quote here from Alito. One, um, the Constitution also did not make the Supreme Court as it stands. For people who don't remember this, the Supreme Court gave itself the power that it has. Why? Because they didn't like Thomas Jefferson and they didn't like how things were working. So they went ahead and just gave themselves a ton of powers, which has now created a conservative backstop for the powerful and the wealthy to go ahead and basically control legislation. But with that aside, Nick, I want to point out something because he said something really interesting near the end of this interview after he's thumping his chest talking about Congress can't do this. This is from the article. Justice Alito wonders if outright defiance may be in the offing for the first time since the aftermath of Brown v. Board education. Quote, If we're viewed as illegitimate, then disregard of our decisions becomes more acceptable and more popular, so you can have a revival of the massive resistance that occurred in the South after Brown. Now, I want to point out this is a favorite of conservatives. They love going ahead and using something like Brown v. Board Education, right? Which, by the way, the South went against because the the white supremacist apartheid South did not want to change itself. They love using something like that as the precursor to saying that our ruling should be treated the same as that justified ruling. But he also gives the game away here, Nick. The reason that they don't want their legitimacy question is because they're illegitimate. And because they can't enforce their rulings, and if they're illegitimate, they can't enforce their rulings, then at some point or another, they can't do much about it. And that's where the Supreme Court is left at this moment, like balancing itself on the edge of a razor blade. I don't think Congress is going to take his dare here because they're not interested in that fight. They don't want to mess around with the institutions. But I do have to say, it's pretty incredible that he thought it was okay to say this to the Wall Street Journal and for this thing to get around because he is right there is the possibility that they will lose their authority and that their rulings will become the bullshit that they are.
1: Well, based on who reads the wall street journal, it sounds like he's signaling, right? He's got to let all the rich people That's who right. set them on these amazing trips, let them know that if we don't stand up to this and make sure that, you don't, know, I can't, I have, I, if I can't be able to hide all what you're doing with me, then I won't be able to protect you and scratch your back. I basically, I guess is what he's trying to say out of that uh, publicly. Um, and it's disgusting. The, the, I mean, there's no question there should be very stringent rules over this. I, I don't give a shit if it's a lifetime appointment. It's supposedly that's going to give them freedom of corruption. Uh, they should welcome it. They should they should know how important it is and not have even the appearance of corruption. And yep. yet, uh, here they are taking photos. You know what I mean? Like at the very least, if you took that seriously, you would you wouldn't let anybody take a picture of you holding up the fish that you had just gotten on this ridiculous trip or whatever with the, your polo shirts
0: yeah they're also having paintings made. They're not afraid of this so real real fast to transition from a court that desperately needs reformed to a court that is getting reformed uh Some could say unnecessarily. Over in the state of Israel, Nick, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has continued uh, to push for what is being called court reform by some, a judicial coup by others. A reminder, by the way, that Netanyahu is facing his own slew of corruption charges, which might play into the reason why he's trying to limit the power of the courts. Uh, But it has passed another hurdle. It seems like it's going to happen. Over 200,000 plus Israelis went to the streets in order to protest. We've had massive strikes against this But Netanyahu's uh, regime continues to push this stuff And and to bring shame to the state Um, This is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A mess
1: It's a mess that could lead to the destruction of Israel, basically Or the dissolution of it Because uh, if if people don't quite understand how this works um, With the Knesset, which is a parliamentary system You have to be able to form coalitions this guy, Netanyahu, was able to only form a coalition because you might be surprised that he's still a prime minister because he had gotten voted out, but came back because he was able to get the razor thin, mar- uh, the, most, the most thinnest of razor margins, whatever that phrase is, uh, by getting all the crazies. There's about 10 percent of Israel of the Knesset is like the insane right wing ultra Orthodox people who are like saying the most ridiculous things that would never get. They wouldn't even get airtime in America like that. But in in Israel, they do. And they were able to cobble that together just enough to be able to get this thing through by only a couple of votes. This is not a mandate. There is nothing popular about this. And the uprising that we're seeing in the streets has gone on for like six months straight almost every day in Israel. That's how unpopular this is, and they know that when he paused it earlier this year to like pretend like as if he was gonna, you know, maybe not do it or talk to more people, that was just a way to placate people for a minute, hoping they would die down, and it has not. They know what he's doing; they see through that grift. Um, and it is it is a severe thing if the if the Supreme Court doesn't uh, it, it has no teeth anymore.
0: Yeah, and I want to go ahead. I want I want to compare and contrast where we possibly can. On one hand, what is happening with Netanyahu? Who Netanyahu is a bully and always has been, he's used his position in in just some um, really incredibly troubling ways. Netanyahu, as a figure, as a personality, has been able to stand out in front of this stuff. But much like a Donald Trump, he has also been used as a battering ram. For anybody who isn't aware of this, a lot of this is the project of the Israeli justice minister, Yarev Levin. And Yarev Levin has been trying to get this stuff over the finish line for over 14 years. And Levin is part of this larger uh, caucus, of course, that is you know against Arabs, it's against Palestinians, and has been trying to push this thing. And that is one of the defining problems within Israel, is like, what do you... Do about the fact that you have this group of Palestinians? Wh- wh- how do you treat them? How do you interact with them? Do you create an apartheid state or do you interact and, and treat them humanely and find some sort of a solution for this problem? They have used this tension for God knows how many years now, Nick, to go ahead and push a right wing, aggressive, authoritarian, illiberal agenda, which is what has been happening forever. And and this has been used to go ahead and push stuff like this so-called justice reform, right? To go ahead and create these coalitions to uh, uh, appeal to people's worst instincts and their brutality, things like that, And instead of like having something that's actually going to, I don't know, help anybody besides a ruling corrupt elite, what we have is another situation, much like what has happened with Trump and the MAGA movement, in which these far right individuals and groups are using these issues to go ahead and create division and to go ahead and push the agenda that they've been dreaming about for forever. This is this looks a lot like what not just happened in it didn't just happen in hungary with fear over immigrants it's what's also happening in the united states right now with all of this weaponized fear that we're constantly covering
1: right this is a double edged sword here because it's it's he's serving two two purposes for him one uh and, and he can't afford to lose the the crazy ultra right wing factions because if they they leave him he loses his coalition and he loses his power now the reason why he needs the power—this might sound power. very familiar—is that yeah, because of these uh, investigations in him and these these uh, suits that are uh, corruption and fraud, uh, he thinks that if he can get rid of the Supreme Court, then they can simply—sorry, he doesn't get, not get rid of the Supreme Court, but they won't have to follow what the Supreme Court says. Then any kind of um, guilty verdict that, he, that it comes down upon him, he can just ignore. That is extremely dangerous, and obviously it's dangerous enough that you, you have military, vast mm-hmm. swashes of the military in Israel refusing to serve if it's going to turn into a totalitarian state, because that's basically what that would be. Now, the weird thing about the Constitution of, the, of, the, uh, of Israel, there really isn't, there isn't the Constitution. They don't, they don't really have a, a whole sort of binding set of rules that allow the Supreme Court to have very distinct uh, power. They, they sort of developed it over the years and they've used this notion of a reasonableness to strike down certain laws that might have been passed. And no one has ever had a problem with that for decades and decades and decades. And all of a sudden, out of this and now that nahu who is now threatened with uh, with these these uh, with being you know, found guilty of serious crimes. Now he's saying, you know, they, they won't be able to uh, enforce any of these uh, any of their decisions. Uh, it, it is it is exactly what you mentioned in, in others in other countries. And um, it really is sad when you look at what Israel, how they were founded, what they stood for, what their aspirations were in their Bill of Rights. Um, this is so wholly against everything that the fabric of, of, the, of the country that uh, that this is why you're seeing the kind of uprising they haven't had in a long, long time.
0: It's really incredible, too, to go ahead and, and, and bring this back to the States. You and I both know, as people who have observed politics and media for forever, this was the third rail to criticize Israel for almost anything. You know what I mean? Like, because you need to support the state of Israel, you you need to stand behind this project. While also, there's been unbelievable amounts of atrocities and things that needed to be discussed. Meanwhile, Nick, I got to tell you, I've looked around in the past, like week, week and a half or so, not just with some of these uh, practices with the Palestinians, but what's happening with this uh, so-called judicial reform. We're starting to see some really hardline Israel supporting people come out of the woodwork and say hey something's wrong here and we need to rec- reconsider everything from our partnership to how much aid we send them mm-hmm. I don't know about you if you went back in time and told me that somebody like was going to say that in like the national media and not be drummed off the stage mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't believe it um, I want to point out also, this is actually a really interesting thing, but I, uh, of course, I because I'm me, I have to point this out. Max Boot uh, over at the Washington Post uh, had an opinion piece on this. The title is, I don't recognize the intolerant and liberal country Israel is becoming, to which I say, ask a Palestinian, but that's neither here nor there. He says, you know, I thought about living there. I thought about living there. And then near the end or near the end of the beginning, he says, quote, yet while i retain affection for israel i often feel as if i do not recognize what it has become this is a familiar feeling for me since i am similarly befuddled by modern america how did we turn into a land of book banners and covid deniers both israel and the united states have been disfigured by the rise of populist rabble rousers who have tapped into ugly and unsavory prejudices first of all nick uh This is kind of crazy hearing from Max Boot. This is a person who you don't usually hear criticism of Israel. But number two, how did they change the country? That's what the countries have. That's what they are. Like these are baby ideas of what nations are like. All these mythologies these people believe. America isn't, it hasn't been turned into a nation of book burners. It's that it has always had book burners in it. And it has this long history that you actually have to grapple with. And I feel like, my God, I'm taking crazy pills. At some point, we have to have an adult perspective on what has actually happened in these countries and get rid of these mythologies that are just absolutely bullshit, top to bottom. Well, you know, there was a
1: notion uh, after Israel was founded uh, that the Arabs and Israelis or Jewish Israelis could get along and and form – functioning uh, country for a decade or two or few. It, it, by the 80s, it it, it, it did change. And, and, and kind of like Reagan gave birth to the situation that they're in now. What I find interesting is you have to imagine there's a lot of right-wing people in America who are very closely watching this because yeah. – what uh, Netanyahu proposes is that instead of having a committee that was kind of bipartisan with a, a huge swath of um, uh, the Bar Association, like really respected scholars on a committee that would pick the judges instead of that, Netanyahu wants to have the controlling party pick the judges at any one time. It's, it would be the equivalent of, you know, no. Uh, I mean, by the way, it's sort of what we do here. Right. We, you know, whoever is in control gets to pick the judges. And here we are with the Supreme Court. So it's almost like Netanyahu is trying to kind of imitate what they have here with McConnell, what he did, uh, but make it completely e- legal and binding and easier than what McConnell had to do. Um, that is concerning because that could be a thing that people here would want to try and do as well and eliminate any kind of red tape. They would have to get these justices in there and never let them leave. Um, it is uh Another again the, the the on the road to, towards authoritarianism uh, and it's not it's obvious we've seen this so many times in the past that it, it's, it's you can't even say it,
0: it could happen that this is what happens when this is allowed it's what happens because that's there there's an undercurrent at all times of authoritarian energies in every country it doesn't matter if it's the United States doesn't matter if it's Canada doesn't matter if it's Switzerland doesn't matter if it's Israel human beings. There is a divide within us. There are some people who are more authoritarian in nature and there are others who are not. And they can be stoked into it. Like, if there is a political movement that stokes it the same way that Netanyahu stokes it, the same way that Donald Trump stokes it, the same way that the wealthy and the powerful. By the way, if you haven't bought the Midnight Kingdom, a history of power, paranoia, and the coming crisis, go ahead and go buy that. This is what keeps happening. But these dumb stories that any person or any group is beyond the capability of doing this stuff, it only makes it more likely that it will happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the polling is so in favor, so against this in, in the country. That is the other problem: is that nobody wants this. There is no political capital to do this at all. And let's not forget the ultra right wing. What, what uh, uh, Netanyahu was able to do by bringing them in, and he promised them, oh sure, we'll be able to continue building settlements. Which just displaces more and more Arabs out of their land they own uh, and pushes them out and inflames the situation to the nth degree. They also the ultra orthodox don't want to go serve in the army. They they like try to hide behind this guys of well we need to be studying the Torah we can't be you know f- go off and fighting. The Supreme Court has denied that and said you know that's not really a good reason. If you're an Israeli and you you are part of this uh, this, this country you need to serve. It's what everybody does. Um, and so they're trying to get some sweetheart deals out of that where they won't have to serve uh, in the military. Um, it it's it, th- th- these things are also severely um, uh, right wing stuff that that, that would, would also se- hurt the uh, the security of, of Israel as a government, as a, govern- as, a uh, as a country itself. So all those things, there's so many different factions here that are putting pressure on Netanyahu, who doesn't have enough of a mandate to to say no to anybody. Um, and, and next thing you know, he will he will take all this control. I mean, imagine if they, they pass law, that says uh, we won't have any more elections anymore. Supreme court would say, Nope, you can't do that. We have that in the bill of rights. And they'd be like, yeah, but we don't have to listen to you anymore. Poof. There you go.
0: I, I hope we pay attention and I, I I hope, and I pray that the people who listen to the show are paying attention to it as well. I, I think you are pay attention to what France has been doing, pay attention to what's happening in Israel. Like we are going to have to get ready to be in the streets like this, by the way, natural transition here, not even a hard segue, Nick, you know, to go from troubles in Israel with so-called judicial reform to, country music. Uh, Nick number the number two, song in the United States right now, number two overall, is a little ditty by a guy named Jason Aldean. And for those who don't know, Jason Aldean is one of those country music guys who wears his hat and, you know, has a designer pick out these skin tight, like snap up shirts. He looks like an idiot. Jason Aldean has this song called, quote, Try That in a Small Town. Now, critics have said that Try That in a Small Town is more or less uh, a, a, a song that is a, simulated lynching but nick i'm gonna read the lyrics to this real fast um let's just take a look let's let's make up our minds for ourselves sucker punch somebody on the sidewalk carjack an old lady at a red light put a pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store you think it's cool well act a fool if you like cuss out a cop spit in his face stomp on the flag and light it up yeah you think you're tough Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line. It won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. One last verse. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. Um, How about that? That That's just a good old slice of Americana, isn't it? I mean, he
1: knows what he's doing. He
0: knows what he's doing.
1: Yeah. He is uh, evoking all sorts of, um, you know, pre-civil uh, rights movement, uh, Southern towns where yep. you couldn't be out at night if you were, you know, if you knew what was good for you. Uh, it really is disgusting. And you know what? They did shout him down. And I think, you know, it was heard to some degree that there was a little backlash to that, but um yeah, it, it's just intolerance, really. You know uh, what? What he, I think what he's trying to sell here and, and tap into, uh, and and to make it worse, it's like he's it's commercialized where he's you know going to benefit monetarily from the song.
0: Man, I got a lot to say on this. First of all, it sucks. It's bad music. I just want to put that out there. Second of all, I was I was raised on country music, and I got to tell you, watching it become this cultural right wing, like white patriarchal signifier, has been a real upsetting thing uh particularly as somebody who was raised up on on, on willie and, and chris Christofferson and the like um you know there's always been merle haggards and stuff like that but he was just like a grouchy old asshole uh for the most part like a lot of this stuff like this this is this is an absolute aberration of the of the art form but i will go ahead and, and say another thing here nick i come from a small town Like the type of stuff that these people who buy these jacked up giant trucks, that most of them are middle class, most of them are suburban, they want to believe that they're from a small town. Uh, The idea that you take care of your own in a small town, uh, that's not true. You 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 kind of let everybody starve on their own and you you maybe occasionally will help somebody every now and then. The idea that these these uh, it's a fantasy. Do you remember, Nick, during the BLM protest? There were all these towns that got word that the BLM rioters were coming to their town and they were ready for them. They were you know, they had their guns ready. They were ready for them to come through town. And then, Nick, what happened?
1: Nobody's that, that didn't happen. Nobody,
0: Nobody saw- showed up. And what was happening is they were living in their fantasies. Mm -hmm. They have been so amped up by Fox and Trump and right-wing media and podcast and music. They have a fantasy that people are going to show up and they're gonna have to deal with them. Much like that couple outside of St. Louis who showed up with their guns because they thought they were gonna have to protect their house. People live in these fantasies. And what has happened in country music and this parallel economy that I've talked about, this right-wing red state America economy, It's about selling this stuff back to people so they can live in their own fantasy. It used to be about driving your Ford F-150 with a bottle of Patron out to the middle of nowhere, dancing with your best girl. Now it has been changed to doing all of that, but maybe shooting somebody. Maybe going ahead and cocking off and 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 beating somebody until they die. It it is it is a fantasy that prepares people for violence. And this is uh, and again, it's just bad music in general.
1: Yeah, we all saw First Blood. You know that was a good example of that there. But yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse is probably the be- the poster child for this. Yes, think about what that was. So BLM protests were going on in Milwaukee, um, and and so. You know, you're supposed to rely on the police. The police are trained in these things and they know how to. At least these, these oh, are they
0: know to. how to they know how to hurt protesters. Yeah, I mean, That's but okay.
1: there's oversight, whatever. I mean, at least there's the sheen of that. But like, think about what all those people did across the country. They when they were bringing their their AR-15s and they were yeah. going to march the streets as if they were like some sheriff posse. And then yeah. what happens? He ends up shooting two people. Um, that this is the, what, what leads to that. And that's like, he never should have been on the streets. He never should have had that gun anyway. And marching around because, but what he was convinced based on things like this, that like he was some, you know, he was ordained to be able to keep the peace. Um, uh, and that's a real problem. I can't, by the way, I am, I can't believe that I'm somehow advocating for like the police, uh, you know, as nope. the real good guys, but I, I don't know every once in a while they, they'll do some good stuff. Uh, or they do keep the peace, but nonetheless, they're the ones legally empowered to do that, not these assholes who want to, you know, grab their play, you know, toys and and lethal guns and start shooting at people.
0: Well, insecure dudes—that's that's what they want. They 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 want to do this. They want to play cowboy. They want to play uh, working class. It's all fantasy. It all is. It's a power fantasy to make up for how they feel insecure about themselves and they feel like that they've lost something or whatever. And as a result, there is no end to the amount of money. That will be made from this stuff. It is it is a money-making machine. And what does it do? It creates fantasies like what Kyle Rittenhouse had. That's exactly what it does. All right. On that note, everybody, we're going to be back on Friday with the Weekender edition of the McRick Podcast. A reminder, patreon.com slash Podcast, not only to get the full episode, but to now go ahead and participate in our question and answer segments that are going to be part of our weekender episodes going forward that's patreon.com slash muckrake podcast i'm going to post the links to that right after this show also you can email us at muckrake podcast at gmail.com uh yeah i'm looking forward to that looking forward to hearing from you all uh if you need us before then you can find nick at can you hear me smh you can find me at joe West be safe everyone